begin the Gemara today on Dafayin Zayin Amad Aleph, towards the bottom of the Yomod, seven lines from the bottom of the Yomod. Amad Rav Yudah, Amad Rav Asi, Rav Yudah said in the name of Rav Asi, or others are going to say in the name of Rav, Ein Ma'asin Ela Lepsulois, you don't force a person to divorce his wife, only if he's married to a wife that's possible for him, that he's not allowed to be married to, where the condition took effect. When we have such psulas that the condition doesn't take effect, if it's a chi of kodes, but if it's a chi of lav and the condition takes effect, <coughs> so then that's the only case we force him to divorce his wife. Kimrisa kamei de Shmuel, not of you just said, when I said this halacha in front of Shmuel, so Omar, so Shmuel said, kogain, so for example, alman lekoin gadol, an alman emerita koin gadol, there's a lav. Divorced woman or a chalutza that chalitza done can't be married to a kain hadyit. Mamzeres on a sinah liyisrael. A mamzeres or on a sinah which the gatos is coming from the uh, seven nations that you're not allowed to marry. So married to yid as well is also a lav. Or the reverse bas yisrael and nosnor lamamzer. A bas yisrael that's married to a nosnor or a mamzer. All these cases we force the husband to divorce his wife. A person is married to his wife for 10 years, and she didn't have any children yet. So over here, he didn't, he didn't fulfill the mitzvah of Piriviribia. So you would think maybe we should, divorce the, we should force the husband to divorce his wife so he should be able to marry someone else to fulfill the mitzvah of Piriviribia. We don't force him to divorce his wife. And the reason is because he could always marry a second wife without divorcing this wife. He said in the name of Shmuel that no, even in this case, the person is married for 10 years and she didn't have any children. We force him to divorce his wife. And the reason is because this is a taconomy that Rabbanon, even though Menatayre, he could go and marry a second wife, but Midrabanan they said he should divorce his wife because if he's not going to divorce his wife, a very big chance that he's not going to marry a second wife. His first wife is not going to be comfortable with him marrying a second wife, so they force him to divorce his wife. So now the Gemara asks from what we learned in our Mishnah. Tanan, in the Mishnah we learned a whole list of people that they are the ones that are forced to divorce their wife. <laughs> These are the people that we force them to divorce their wife. Mokeshchin, a person that has boils all over his body. Well, polypus, we had a machlekes before what that means, a bad odor from the mouth or the nose. And then another few individuals that it mentioned during the Mishnah that are forced to divorce their wife. Now the question is, we could explain now according to Rav Asi. So we hear in the Gemara, Rav Asi said that, uh, Rav Yudha said in the name of Rav Asi, that when it comes to psulois, only a person that's married to a wife that he's not allowed to live with, then we force him, right? Any other case, we don't force. That's what he said here. So we can say, according to him, that Rabbanon Katani, the Irai Katani. In our Mishnah, when it mentions Elusha Kaifin, that these are the individual that we force them to divorce their wife, why doesn't it mention all these cases that Rav Asi spoke about over here? That's because the Mishnah is speaking about cases that Rabbanon instituted, that these people have to divorce their wife. And he's speaking about the cases of Psula Ismanat so that, that's why we understand our Mishnah doesn't mention the things that are minatayda. 
But Ella Larach a Larab Tahlife Baravimi, but according to Rav Tahlife Baravimi that says that Chachamim instituted a person that doesn't have children, that he also has to divorce his wife. So listen, this case, a person living with his wife ten years and didn't have children, that it'd be forced him to divorce his wife, that's also only with Rabbanon. Why doesn't they mention it in our Mishnah amongst the cases that Rabbanon were misakin to divorce? Amar Rav Nachman, so Rav Nachman answers, like Kashi, this is not a question. Ha b'mili, when it comes to the case that Rav Tachlifa said, that you divorce your wife because you didn't have children, that's that we, we force him with words. We, we speak very strongly to him about this, that he has to divorce his wife. <coughs> but we don't, don't, we don't go further than that. Beyond that, we don't do. And ha b'shaiti, in our Mishnah, it speaks about, you pick up a rod and you hit this person. You physically use physical force to, uh, to force this person to divorce his wife in these cases where he has uh, the, the various different illnesses that he can't, his wife can't live with him. Some of the Rishonim actually say Bishaiti does not mean with, uh, with literally with a, with a rod, but it means with uh, different uh, ways Chachamim have to force a person, uh, certain Charomis you could place upon a person. Maskef Lord asks on this answer. The Pasik says, Vidvarim lo yuvaser just with words, you cannot bring affliction upon a slave. Meaning, words are meaningless. If the person sees that you're speaking to him harshly, but then you don't take any further steps, he's not going to feel forced to divorce his wife. So how could you say that over here, it means we forced with words? Therefore, Rabbi gives a different answer. In both cases, the Mishnah, and over here when it says the person that was married 10 years, at Chachamim instituted, he has to divorce his wife. In both cases, it's even with physical force. Why doesn't it mention it in the Mishnah? Because Hasam in the Mishnah, Ki Amra Havina Bahadei, when the wife says that I'm okay, I'm ready to live with him. Shafkinala, we allow her to live with her husband. But Hacha over here, when a person didn't have children with his wife, Afagav the Amra Havina Bahadei, she says, I want to continue living with him and I don't mind the fact that I don't have any children. We don't allow her because this is his mitzvah of Piriviribia, Chacham Wamasakin, that he should divorce her. But how could you say this? One of the cases in the Mishnah is the Mukishchen, person with boils all, all over his body, but it means not stamp boils over his body. It's the Gemara before explained that, he, that it's a very, very uh, terrible in, illness where even limbs of his body fall off and he can't have any relations with his wife. This itself calls, causes him to be even sicker. Even if she says, I'm ready to continue living with him, we don't let her live with him. Because it says in the Mishnah, that even the opinion that argues, but everybody agrees when it comes to her living with him causes, causes him to become even sicker, causes him to lose limbs of his body. So we see that in the Mishnah, it also is counting a case where she can't say, I'm ready to live with him. So why doesn't it mention this case of a person that didn't have children after 10 years? The Katani, and it mentions that in the Mishnah as well. Answers the Gemara, but there's still a difference. Hasam, in the cases that it mentions in the Mishnah, including a Mukeshchin, Ki Amra Dayarna Bahadei. If she says that I'm going to live with him, Bisadi, and there's going to be Aiden, that are going to make sure that I don't have marital relations with him. So me living with him is not going to cause him to get any sicker. Shafkin Allah, we allow her to live with him. But Hacha, over here, a person that's married to his wife and she didn't have children after 10 years, even if she says, I'll live with him and I'll be Eidos and they'll see that I don't have any relations with him and I'll let him be married to someone else as well. We don't allow Chachamim instituted that after 10 years you have to divorce her. 
Rabbi Yaisi said, Sochli zokin echad me'anshe Yerushalayim. There was an older individual from the people of Yerushalayim that said to me, Esrim va'arba'a mukishchinin. There are 24 different kinds of illnesses of this mukishchin. V'kulon, regarding all, all of them, omrucha chacham, chacham said, Tashmish kosher lehen, marital relations is very bad for it. Ubalei rasam, Bali Rasam, which is a kind of illness of one of these illnesses of Mukishchen, Koshem Yikulan, is the worst of all of them. The Gemara is going to soon say about this Bali Rasam. I don't know how to translate this in today's uh, uh, illnesses, but uh, the Gemara soon says that this is a kind of illness where a person has some kind of a worm or some kind of an insect that's in his, by his brain. And this, that's what causes this illness. Mimai Hava, what does this ha- happen that a person gets this illness? The Tanya, so we learned in the Braise, Hik is dam, a person that um, let blood, and he makes a person weak, especially the way it was done those days, that they took out a lot of blood at a time. And then Vishimish, he has marital relations after this. So then he'll have children that will be very weak. Hikizu Shneyem, both the husband and wife let blood, and Vishimshu, and then they had marital relations. So then he'll have children that will have this illness of Balirasan. Um, Rav Pape, but Rav Pape said about this, this was only said if after a person let blood and he didn't taste anything afterwards, so then this could happen to his children. If he eats something, he tastes something before, so he gets back his kayak, so less slumba, so it doesn't matter, then nothing will happen. My Simone, what's, what's the symptoms of a person that has this illness of Bali Rasan? Dolphinene, his eyes are always watery, always teary. And he has, uh, from his nose also, he has uh, fluid coming out of his nose. And he's drooling from his mouth. And uh, flies are attracted, insects are attracted to him and sit on him. What's the healing for this individual? Okay, so I'll try to translate this Gemara to the best of my ability. It brings here a, a, a very interesting uh, ingredient, so some kind of a potion here. So Amar Abaye, you're going to take Pila Baludna, which are different kinds of grasses. Rashi says it's uh, grasses and gives the name of it in Old French. Girda da Aguza, the shell of the uh, tree, not nut tree. The Girda da Ashpa, and also Girda da Ashpa. So this is what you take off from the hide of an animal and you scrub off when you want to smooth it out. So you have to take also this, this that, they, that you shave off, take some of that as well. And then the Kolol Malka, take Kolol Malka, which Rashi calls Chavatzeles. And then Maschala the Dikla Sumke, you take from a, a red palm tree, so you take the Maschala, the, um, uh, something that comes from this red palm tree. And what do you do with all of these ingredients? Vishalik Lobadia Dodi. You cook it all very well together. And then, you take this person that has this illness of Rason, and you bring him into a house that's built from marble. The marble is that it doesn't allow any wind or any air to come in from outside. It'll be airtight. If you don't have a house that's built from marble, take him into a house that's built with seven layers of bricks and half bricks. Again, should not be any wind coming from outside. And then you have to pour 300 cups of this potion that you cook well over his head. Until the, 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 the skull will become soft and the, above his brain, the skin will be very soft. And then you're able to tear open the skin above his brain. 
And now you have to bring four uh, leaves from, a, from, a, from the Hadassim, from a myrtle branch. Now, as I mentioned before, this Baladasan are people that have this shedas, this insect that's there by the brain. So now you have to pick up, you pick up one foot of each of, of, of this uh, insect, four, four legs of this insect, and you place it on each one of these leaves that you have there, four leaves. And then you can remove it with a tweezer. Uh, yeah, but you have to have those leaves there to make sure that it doesn't cling back to the brain. So, so it gets completely removed. And then the kalile, and you burn it. And, and the, the, the one adds, the eloi, if you're not going to do it this way, that you remove it with these leaves, where you put the legs on these leaves, it'll go back, it'll cling back to the brain. That's the healing. Huh? If you, oh, if you're not going to burn it, that is. Okay, I'm sorry. So Rashi says, if you're not going to burn it, so then it's going to go back onto the brain. This is the healing for the Bali Rasa. Machrez Rabbi Yechinen. Rabbi Yechinen announced his haru, Mizuvish of Bali Rasa. Be careful from the people that have these uh, flies or these insects that, that come and, and are attracted to the people that have this Rasa. The point is that it's, an, it's, it's contagious. If you come close to them, you could also get sick with this. Rabzeire, so Gemara says regarding different Amiraim, Rabzeire have a Yosef Bezike. Rabzeire would not sit in a place where the wind was blowing from somebody that had this illness of Rasan. Rabbi Lazar would not enter into the tent of a person that had this illness of Rasan. Rabbi Rabasi would not eat from an egg that came from that alleyway, from that area where the people of Bali Rasan had this illness. So again, this is a contagious illness. But Rabbi Shua ben Levi, however, Rabbi Shua ben Levi, the Gemara tells us, Mikrach Bahu, he would wrap himself together with these Bali Rasan, he would come and he would be, he would be very close with them, and Vasik and he would learn Taita together with them. He wasn't concerned about the fact that this is a contagious illness, he was teaching them Taita, and he said, Oma, the Pasuk says, that Taita is Ayala Sahavim and Ayala so therefore learning Taita will not harm me at all, even if I learn with these people that have a contagious illness. So therefore he said, what do we see from this Pasuk? If learning Taita brings grace upon those learn it, Will it not shield, will it not protect the people that learn the Teireh? So therefore you don't have to be worried about any illnesses, catching any illnesses from anyone else, if you learn Teireh with them. So now the Gemara brings a famous story, an unbelievable story about Rabbi Shua ben Levi. When Rabbi Shua ben Levi passed away, Go do his will. In other words, to go bring his neshama above in, in, in the way he desires. A tzaddik, we according to his will, bring his neshama here to this world. So the Malach HaMavis came and appeared to Rabbi Shur ben Levi. Rabbi Shur ben Levi said to the Malach HaMavis, Come and show me my place in Gan Eden, where it is that I'm going to be going to. So the Malach HaMavis says, Sure, for your life. In other words, yeah, I will show you. So Rabbi Shur ben Levi says to the Malach HaMavis, Give me your knife. The, the kayach that the Malach HaMavis has, the knife he uses to take away people's lives, give it to me. Because dilmen mevastasli boruche, maybe you'll, you'll scare me on the way, going to the, my place in the Eden, <laughs> so I want to be sure that you'll let me live, give me your knife. Yav in LA, the Malach HaMavis gave him his knife. Kimat so, no, he took him up, 
to the place in Gan Eden. When they came there, Dalye, so the Malachamovas picked him up and he showed him the place, his place in Gan Eden where he's going to. What happened? What did Abshubal Levi do? Shavar, he jumped, Nafala Ugisa, he fell down over there in that place on the other side in the place of Gan Eden where he's meant to be. And he went in there alive with his body. Not take the Malachamovas grabbed hold of his of his garment, the carna de glima in the corners of his garment. Amalei, so the Rabbi Shulban Levi said, I swear that I'm not coming back. That's it. I'm staying here alive. If any time in Rabbi Shulban Levi's lifetime he made a shvua, he made an oath, and he and he had to go and nullify this oath. To be matarit, so then Nehad, he's gonna he's gonna be forced to go out, take him out. But Eli, if this never happened in his lifetime, then he's not gonna leave and he can stay there. So that's it. Rabbi Shulman Levi staying in Gan Eden with his body. Give me my knife. He didn't want to give him his knife. Nafka Baskala saw Baskal came out and said to him. Havna lay, give him his knife. Dimizboy libriyasa, because the Malchamavis needs his knife to do his job with all other people. That's how he takes their neshama, brings them back to Shemaim. In other words, the Marshal says he didn't want to give him his knife because he thought that maybe now he'll, he'll take away his goof. Uh-huh. So, so the Abisha says, no, no, he doesn't need it for you, he needs it for everybody else. Machriz so when Abshub and Levi came into Ganadin with his body alive, Eliyahu and Novi announced, Kame in front of him, Panu Mokkum le Barlivoy, Panu Mokkum le Barlivoy. Make place for Rabbi Shub and Levi, make place for Rabbi Shub and Levi. Ozal Rabbi Shub and Levi went. And he found Rabbi Shub and Yechoi, Rabbi Yosef, Al Plas, Osa, Tachtaki, Pisa. He's sitting on 13 golden thrones. Whatever this means, of course, this means Beruchnius. The level of Rabbi Shem ben Yechai, 13, the number 13, is that a significant number? The Yud Gilman with the Sarachimim. Amalei, Rabbi Shem ben Levi says to him, Atu bar Levi, are you Rabbi Shem ben Levi? Amalei, hey, yes, I'm Rabbi Shem ben Levi. So he asks him, Niresa keshes biyamecha, the keshes, a rainbow. There was there a rainbow in your lifetime? Amalei, hey, he said yes. Okay, so Rabbi Shem ben Yechai said to him, so iatu bar Levi. You're not, if so, there's, you're not Rabbi Shubham Levi, there's nothing, nothing special about you if in your generation there was a rainbow, right? Because a rainbow shows on the fact that there's a sign that the world should have been destroyed. But if, if you would be really a tzaddik gomor, as she says, in the generation, bedair, so then you don't need this, this sign at all. All right, so the Rebbe Taich wants this, uh, this Rashi, im yesh tzaddik gomor bedair. It's not enough just to be a tzaddik gomor. You have to be a tzaddik gomor bedair. Tzadik Gomer that is not a tzadik impels, a person that's a tzadik for himself, but a tzadik Gomer that affects the people in the entire generation. So he told him, if you would be a tzadik Gomer that would also influence all the people in your generation, then you wouldn't need uh, any rainbow in your generation. But the Gemara now concludes and says regarding this, Veloihi, that this is not true. Deloi Havoi, really there was no rainbow in his midi, there was, there was never a rainbow in his generation. But he didn't want to take the credit for this. And when Rabshim Mechoy asked him, was there a rainbow or not? So he didn't want to take the credit for this, so therefore he didn't say this. So obviously, this is an extremely unusual thing over here. Rabshim Levi was to this, to go into his, into his place in Gan Eden, alive with his body, similar to Leo Novi himself, Take. 
So the Gemara is soon going to tell us what the schus is. Let's see. Rabchanina ba Papa. So the similar story story happened to Rabchanina ba Papa Shushvine Hava. He was a friend of the Malach Hamavas. Malach Hamavas was Rashi says Oyeva. He was he was always by him. When it came to the time for Abchanina Ba Papa to pass away, Omrulay the Ebshah says to Malach Hamavas Zil Ovid Leiruse. Go to his will. Go bring him up here Lamaila. So the Malach Hamavas went to him. Vas Chazilin appeared to him. Amalei, so Rabchanina Ba Papa says to him, Shafkit Losiyaymin, give me another thirty days. So I can review what my the Torah that I learned the Gemara, the Amri, because they said Ashrei Mishabalekan v'Talmude Biyade. Fortunate is the one that comes here and he has the Torah that he learned in his hands. So Shafke, he allowed him another thirty days. Lebasat Losin Yaman. After the thirty days are up, Azlas Chazili again he went and appeared to Rabbi to to Rabbi Chanina Bar So he says to the Malach Hamavas Achvili Duchtoi. Show me my place in Ganeiden. So he said, Yes, for sure, I'll show you your place in Ganeiden. tells the Malachamavis, Havli Sakinoch, give me a knife. Dilma Mivasli Baurcha, maybe on the way you're gonna scare me. Amalei, the Malachamavis says, Rabchanina Bapape, Kechavras, boy Islamavadli. Do you want to do the same that you that your friend did? That you're gonna come there to your place in Ganeiden and then you're gonna jump into your place without me taking away your your uh, the the departing. Separating your neshama from your body, Amalei. So Rabchanina Bar Papa tried to convince the Malach Hamavas that he deserves this. So he said, "I see Sefer Bring me a Sefer and the Chazi, and we'll see." Is there anything in this Sefer that I have not fulfilled? Amalei. So the Malach Hamavas says to Rabchanina Bar Papa, "Mi ikreches bevalei rasam veyaskes betayde." Did you wrap yourself together with those people that are very ill? And it's a contagious illness. But nevertheless, did you go and wrap yourself and teach them Torah and not be worried about the, Ill- the illness? Like Rabbi Shua ben Levi did, as the Gemara said before. Right, so, so he, the Yitzhahara, or the Malachamavis, that is, did not give him his desire to be able to go up in Shemayim and to enter into Ganeda and together with his guf. So what do we see here in the Gemara? What was this chus of Rabbi Shua ben Levi? That he taught people Torah and he wasn't afraid of the illness that he might uh, catch from them. So the Rebbe speaks about this story of Rabbi Shubham Levi in one place in the Sikha and Chelik Dalet and the Sikha and Pirkei Yavis. It's a pedagogue of Pirkei Yavis. So the Rebbe there says that in Chesidus it explains regarding Eliyahu Anavi that the reason he was able to enter into Ganeiden with his body is because there's different types of tzaddikim in the world. There's a tzaddik that his main avoid in the world is to elevate himself above his guf. To, to sort of ignore the inyanim of his guf and to reveal his neshama, to live more with his neshama. So then, when it comes, it's time to pass away, the Nisham enters into Ganeidin, not the Gulf. Rabbi Shua ben Levi, his main Aveda in the world was to bring the Kedusha of the Torah and to permeate it into every aspect of his body, to be Mizachich, to refine and elevate the body itself. And you see what he did over here regarding himself, and according to what the Gemara says, he did this for the generation as well. He was a Tzadik Gomer B'doyer, for the whole generation that there was no Keshes, there was no rainbow because he also related this to the people, to the whole world. And not only to the whole world, even to people that were sick and very ill. And a contagious illness, nevertheless, he came down. That was, that was his mila, that he came down to, the, to everyone else. And that's why he was like to come with his gof into Ganeiden. Afilahi, the Gemara now says, even though Rabbi Hanina Bar Papa was not Zeichet to enter into Ganeiden with his body like Rabbi Shua Malevi, but nevertheless, something unique happened when he passed away. Kinoch Nafshe, when he passed away, Afsekle Amuda Denura, 
a pillar of fire came and separated between him and the entire world. And we have a tradition, we know that this pillar of fire should come down and separate between this person and everyone else. This doesn't happen for one person in a generation or two people in a generation. So Kadav Lagabei Rabbi Alexandri, Rabbi Alexandri came close. He wanted to come to Rabbi Hanina Bar Papa after he passed away. And Omar, and he said, "Asay b'shvil kvoyt chachomim." They do for the covered of the chachomim to remove this pillar of fire that we can come to, to Rabbi Hanina Bar Papa. Layashkech. They didn't listen to what he said. So then he said, "Asay b'shvil kvoyt davicha." Do for the honor of your father to remove this pillar of fire that we can come and take care of you. Layashkech. Then it, was, it didn't change, didn't pay attention to what he said. Then Rabbi Alexandri said, Do this for your own honor, for the sake of your own honor, that we can come and, and bury you properly. There's a fire that doesn't allow us to come here. So when he said that, the fire was removed. So we see how Rabbi Papa himself was so great. So Abaye said, So this great fire that was here, so who is this coming to exclude? Who is this coming to separate from? The Leikayim, so this comes to separate someone that did not fulfill what it says in the Torah. Or in some, some versions of Kaim someone that didn't fulfill even one ice in the Torah. <coughs> so Ravada Bamasna turns to Abaye himself that said this, La Fukimimar, did this come to exclude the master? You, Abaye yourself, why? Well, what did Abaye do wrong? Because you don't have a gate on top of your roof. It's one of the mitzvahs. So apparently at that point, there was no gate on Abai's rooftop. So the Gemara says, but Veloihi, this is, this is not true. Because Meve Abai had a gate on his rooftop. It was punked at that time that a wind blew it off, but he always had a, 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 a gate on his uh, rooftop. The Farshim speak about this point of view, about this gate on the rooftop. It's, it, it doesn't mean the way it sounds, but there's something unique about this, this gate of there on the rooftop, what this mitzvah represents, that he was asking him spunked about the fact that you don't have a, 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 a gate on your rooftop. Omer Abchanine, Gemara concludes regarding the story of here about the Bali Rosam, people that are very ill, it's a contagious illness. Why in Bavel do we see that we don't have this illness? Because they eat Trodim, which is beets, and they drink beer that's made from Hizmi, some kind of a plant. Why don't we have Mitzirah people that have Tzaras in Babel? Which I don't think it means Mamish that Tzaras, so that the Torah speaks about the Pachlal, people that have boils on their body. And also because they eat the, the beets, and and they drink beer, and they bathe themselves in the water of the, the river Paras. This is the conclusion of the seventh Perik of Masechtek Subist, Perik Hamadres Ishtai. Let's begin the next Perik. So the next Perik begins to speak about the halachis of what's called Nichse Malug. Nichse Malug are the properties that a wife brings into the marriage. She it could be brought in before the marriage or during the marriage, whether somehow she inherits this from some place. And it's not written into the Ksuba, and therefore this is hers really. The, 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 the properties itself belong to her. And if she gets divorced or her husband passes away, she gets it all back. But while her husband is alive, while she's married to her husband, the husband is the one that can use all the fruits and anything that's produced from these fields, the husband takes and eats. So now this mission will begin to discuss regarding these nichse malog, what happens if the wife wants to sell them to somebody. 
Will the sale take effect or not? On one hand, the principle, the actual physical fields itself belongs to her. She should have the right to sell them. But on the other hand, one of the conditions in the marriage is that all the fruits of it belong to the husband. So maybe she shouldn't be allowed to sell it. So, as we'll see here in the Mishnah, there's different timings of exactly when it is that she got these properties. It will depend on that. So, when it comes to a wife, she got these properties even before Edison, before the first stage of marriage. And now, after the Edison, she wants to sell them. So, even though these are properties that the husband eats the fruits, but she wants to sell them to someone. So, here in such a case, because she already got it before, would agree. She can sell it, she can give it as a gift, and it will take effect. Because she already had it from before. So these are not, uh, regarding this, she has the right to sell. But if she got these properties after Edison, once she's married, she's already his wife. She's already under his jurisdiction, so to speak. So now, these fields she, that she gets during this time, so here there's an argument whether she can go ahead and sell it. Beishamah says that true, the husband has the right to eat the fruits from these properties, but still, it doesn't take away her right from selling it. But Beishamah says no, that she should not sell these properties. And Elu, Elu Maidim, but both Beishamah and Beishamah will agree, She'im, Mochrov, and Nosna, that if she did go ahead and sold it or gave it as a gift, kayam, that the sale or the gift will take effect. Right? The husband has this chus of eating the fruits, but bidiyevet, if she went and sold it, the sale takes effect. The Chachamim said in front of Rabbi Gamliel that it really it makes sense to say that she should not have the right to sell these properties. Since a man is Zeiche and his wife itself. This is at this point she's married to him. She's his Arusa, even before the full stage of marriage, but still she's his wife. Should he not also have the rights over her properties that she should not have the ability to sell them? That was the question that was asked over here. So we'll see in the Gemara, there's a question whether he was saying this regarding what Beishamai said, that Beishamai says, she has the right to sell them. So the Chachamim are asking why? Why does she have to why, why does she have the right to sell them? Or maybe he was saying this regarding what Basil said. Basil said that even if she doesn't have the right to sell them, but if she sold them, the sale takes effect. So the Chachamim said in front of Rabbi Gamliel, why should it take effect if he has the, the rights over his wife herself? So this should also give him the rights that his wife should not be allowed to sell any properties that she inherits. But Rabbi Gamliel disagreed. Rabbi Gamliel responded and said, On the Chadoshim, meaning Chadoshim means the properties, that she inherits right now. Now means after she's fully married, and now in the current situation when she's fully married, and she receives properties from some kind of an inheritance, we are ashamed of the halacha that some chachamim said that those properties she can't sell. Rabbi Gamliel held it, it doesn't make any sense. Why can't she sell these properties? True, the husband has a right to use it while it's in her possession, but why shouldn't she be allowed to sell it? So Rabbi Gamliel says, I'm ashamed of even that halacha. You're even adding and telling us that even those properties that she got from before marriage, before the Edison, or, and, and now it's the time of Edison, or, or before the Nisun, that is. Al-Hadashim means, um, sorry, means from before the Edison, or before the Nisun. You're coming and saying that uh, she can't sell them. What's happens? Why doesn't she have that right? Okay, so here till here we're talking about Edison. Now, what happens after the full marriage? Mishan, this is, once she's fully married, Elu, the Elu, Maidim, so then everybody agrees, 
that even after the fact, if she went and sold it, she gave it as a gift, that the husband can come and take it away from the buyers and say she had no right to sell it. How, how about she got these properties before the full marriage and now that she's fully married. So Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Gamliel says, as we said before, Rabbi Gamliel says that whatever rights he has over his wife herself or the fact that he can eat the fruits of the property does not stop her of the rights that she has in the actual ownership of the property itself. And therefore she could sell it or give it as a gift and it therefore takes effect. Also said regarding this, if he has rights over the wife herself that she belongs to him, he should not have rights over her properties to stop her from selling them. Again, Rabbi Gamliel responded and said, that on what's new, what, what she gets now, after she's fully married, on Ubaishim, we are ashamed of the halacha that you would say, that she can't sell them. And you're even adding to us and telling us even what's old, even what she got before full marriage, that even that she can't sell. Why not? This belongs to her and she should be allowed to sell it. Gemara now brings another opinion, Rab Shimon Chaylik, Rab Shimon made a distinction, this halacha, this question, whether a wife could sell her properties, it depends what kind of properties they are. Those properties that were known to the husband from before, and the Gemara will explain exactly how we define this, what it means that it was known to the husband, those properties that she cannot sell. But even with the Yavid, if she sells them, the sale is, is, is nullified. If it's not known to the husband, she can't sell them. But if she went with the Yavid and sold them, the sale takes effect. Let's just learn one piece of here on the Mishnah. So, Why, in the first case of the Mishnah, she got the properties before Edison, before any marriage at all. And now, it's already after the first stage of marriage, so over here, there's no argument. Everybody, it says, will agree, Bishami, Basil will agree that if she sells it, she has the right, it takes effect. Mm-hmm. And why, in the case where she got it after the Edison, after the first stage of marriage, that's when she inherited these properties, now there's an argument between Bishami and Basil whether she has the right to sell. Amri Debe Rabbi the Shiva Rabbi they explained, in the Reisha of the Mishnah, Naflu. She got these properties when she had the rights to them. She had the total rights to these properties. She still was not married at all. So she's totally zeiche in these properties. So even after she gets married, the Edison, she still retains her rights to be able to sell them. But in the Seife, when she got these properties, she was already in the husband's possession. That at the moment she gets them, as they enter into her possession, the husband has the right to use the fruits. So by her selling them, She's taking away from the husband his rights. So therefore, he, she can't sell them. But if that's the pshat of Basil's opinion, if the pshat of the is that it fell into his rights, and therefore, how could she sell them, taking away his rights to eat the fruits from it? So then why does Basil make a distinction? If she sold it after the fact, we say that the sale or the gift takes effect. Why? She's taking away his rights. Ella, so therefore the Gemara tweaks the Pshara here a little bit. The Gemara says, Reisha vaday naflu. Yeah, regarding the Reisha, when she got these properties before she was married at all to him. So that remains like the Pshara we said before, that because she had a total schus in these properties, so even after she gets married to him, she can sell them. 
But Sefer, in the Sefer, the Pshat of Bisul's opinion is as follows. Eimer Eimer that really, the, since we're speaking here about Edison, Edison is not the full marriage. Edison is only a partial marriage. And it's a suffix if she's going to ever get fully married to this person. Maybe yeah, maybe not. So therefore, the rights that the husband has in these properties at this stage is unclear. It's a, it's a suffix. So therefore, she should not sell it because if she's going to be fully married to him, so then it turns out that he did have the rights at this time. And but in Machrav since it's a suffix and we don't know if he has the rights at this time period, so Bidiyevid, if he sold it, the sale will take effect. That's the explanation of Basil's opinion. That's what it looks like over here. Yeah, so it's a, therefore it's a suffix. Or it's a suffix if he has the rights, depending if he's taka planning on getting married. It's just not uh, not clear over here exactly. I'm not, other words, I'm not sure if the Pshad is that it goes Lemafreya. Afterwards, if he gets married, so then Lemafreya, he did have the rights from the Edison, or or the, the rights uh, starts at the Edison, but only on Menas if she's going to get married fully. I mean, if she gets married fully, so then you say, oh, she does have the rights, he does have the rights, that is, during the Edison. <coughs>